Hey guys, this is Coach Keita Bussey with 180 Firearms Training Podcast, joined today with Grant Chancellor Madison from South Africa and Mike Seifert from New Jersey. Mike, you want to talk about our show sponsor? Yeah, no, I just want to say uh, if you guys are in the market for a new PCC, check out DaVinci Machining. They're DG9, it's the most reliable PCC on the market. Yeah, DaVinciMachining.com. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. And today our guest is Scott Green. Scott, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, that sort of thing. Uh, hey, uh, yeah, Scott Green. I shoot uh, every gun I can get my hands on. So I shoot a lot of uh, three gun, a lot of USPSA, uh, some IPSC when I can, uh, PCC matches, two gun matches, and basically anything I can travel to, I'm going to, you know, try to shoot. Nice. So we haven't had a three gunner on the show yet. So since you've shot three gun USPSA and IPSC and Grant shoots IPSC, obviously Mike has shot one IPSC match, but mostly shoots PCC in USPSA. I shot and three I gun when both. I first started also. So, I mean, you know, I got a little bit of three gun experience. There's just too many goddamn targets out there for me to remember. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so what's your favorite out of all the different kinds? I know they all have different flavors, but. What do you like, dislike, compare and contrast a little bit? Tell us about it. Uh, well, they all have different challenges and different, uh, you know, aspects to them. Uh, three guns is three times the fun is the general <laughs> attitude. <laughs> more guns equals more fun. But it's just a different style. Uh, I would consider a three gun more drag racing. Uh, you know, IPSC would be like Formula One racing and... Uh, USPSA, I would, I would consider it to be more like a like a circuit race, but not quite Formula One, something like that, where three guns just let it let it go crazy, shoot everything as fast as you can. Hits don't matter as much, uh, so it's basically based on all speed. Okay, were you at that rifle world shoot, or was that mm -hmm. in Sweden? Yep. Okay, where you shot like straight up in the air. I did. Yep, we did do that one. Yeah, that is yeah. The tell one us about that. Everyone remembers. Yeah. Yes. Well, they uh, they had it on a uh, tank range, I believe, like a like a tank military range that you shoot tanks on. So they didn't have to worry about you know anything back behind the range because for miles behind the range, it's just more range. Except hippies. Uh, somewhere, <laughs> somewhere further, you know, towards Norway, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so what happened was there were a bunch of hippies like hanging out in the woods, and they were worried these guys were going to get shot. Did you hear about this? I didn't hear about that. Okay, so they actually had to wrangle up these hippies and get them to move so they wouldn't get shot. Hmm. Sounds like the RO that sits on a line for the 180, you know? You just look like a hit. <laughs> no reason to be there. <laughs> so yeah. you didn't notice a delay in the match or anything because of that? Uh, no, I, I didn't notice anything. I didn't hear anything about hippies. No, it's funny. <laughs> In all, fairness, I I in, all fairness, in all fairness, I did know a few people from A5 that didn't hear about what happened and they were there. So, you know, I guess you know, oh, when, yeah. when, you're shoot, when you're shooting a match or just shooting the match, I guess you're kind of focused and maybe it's from the outside looking in, it's a little easier to tell that because you're on social media, but when you're actually shooting, you're not really doing any of that on your phone. So maybe that's why I gotcha. miss it when they're there, you know? So how did you do in that match? Uh, I took 12th in open. Uh, okay. Did not have a very... <clears throat> Solid match. I actually zeroed a stage for the first time since I've started shooting in a major oh, match. Ouch. That was that was rough. But yeah, it was a learning experience for sure. Didn't Tim oh, Yackley win this division? He 
did not. He was, I believe, uh, what was it, ninth or oh, okay. somewhere around there. Maybe it was seventh. It might have been seventh or fifth or something like Still, that. Still, that's very, very good mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As just a, he was a kid. I think he's yeah. not a kid technically anymore, but yeah, he's no longer a junior, but he's still, you know, a fantastic shooter all around. Yeah. He lives about three hours from my house. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm like yeah, right about... in between Josh Freilich and Tim Yackley. It's <laughs> a good little area. Nice. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Good shooting spot. Yeah. What kind of, what kind of guns are you running in three gun? What's your, uh, like, what do you like? What's your shotgun? What's your rifle with all that? So everything I shoot comes from uh, Limcat. Limcat races out Vepper 12s, uh, not so much anymore because the market for Vepper 12s is, they're hard to come by the actual, uh, you know, the stock gun. Then uh, I'll shoot uh, a full-on frame-mounted uh, open gun. And then uh, a rifle raced out by Limcat as well. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Are you shooting, are you shooting major power factor in, in the open uh, gun? Or are you shooting minor with light, very light springs? Uh, I do shoot major, but that's only because I shoot so much USPSA and the recoil impulse between major and minor and that gun is something that is quite noticeable for me. So I don't want to have any inconsistencies and think the gun's malfunctioning with my light load when it's actually totally fine. So I'll just keep it consistent and shoot major through everything. So when you're preparing for a match with a rifle in it, you do something a little bit different in your practice sessions than most people do. Can you tell us about how you practice? Uh, I, I'm not exactly sure what you're leading towards. <laughs> well, for one thing, you only shoot about 50 rounds. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'll do uh, I'll do a little bit of dry fire with uh, whatever firearm I haven't practiced with recently, just to make sure that the manipulations are still there. And then I'll go to the range. I'll check zero and uh, maybe I'll shoot a box. Maybe. Uh, just to get the impulse back in my memory. That's about it. Yeah. Another interesting thing is, well, maybe this has changed since we last talked about it, but do you own a timer? Nope. Still don't own a timer. (laughs) (laughs) Still don't own one. So how's that working for you? It's about, it's about how it feels anyway. You know, it's not about what the, you know, if it feels good, then it's going to be fast. You know that. So yeah, (laughs) I, I, I I can watch uh, videos and see where I am or I'm not losing time and uh a time would be nice just for the reaction to to have something to react to that'd be great but i still don't know what i i at this point i'm kind of dedicated to not having one (laughs) well when you don't use a timer that makes you focus more on doing everything perfectly instead of trying to rush it to be beat the timer right don't get me wrong i could still rush it to not be the timer (laughs) but (laughs) Well, and you also kind of know the fastest you can hit a target. So can you tell us about sort of the cadence you have in your head? Yeah, so I do have an idea of the cadence that I should be having based on target size and what gun I'm shooting and what distance. Uh, But that's just come with experience uh, shooting so many different guns all the time it's hard to keep them all in the same that's why i will shoot you know a box of ammo to get the impulse down again but it it is a lot about just recalling previous uh previous times you've shot that gun and remembering how the gun reacts and then just picturing that in your head a lot 
so you know what it should sound like if you are shooting um, basically perfectly. So if you're seeing the minimum amount you need to see on a target, you know it should sound like this. Mm -hmm. I do have that cadence in my head, but again, like you mentioned, it does have to have a visual aspect. Uh, so if I see it wrong, then the time is going to get messed up in my head also. But I, sh I do have a an idea of what it should sound like for every target I'm going to shoot on, on whatever stage it is. Yeah, so it's not that, okay, this is what the cadence should sound like. I'm going to do that. It's if I do things perfectly, it will sound like this. So yeah, if you see that. something differently, then obviously you're going to make adjustments for it. Mm -hmm, for sure. Does your cadence change after you just watch somebody crush a match or crush a, crush a stage? Like, right, now I got I to gotta step it up a little bit here? No, because luckily I've shot enough with uh, Leo Grandis that I know I can't do those splits, so I'm not going <laughs> to even try to. <laughs> see, being realistic, Grant. See, again, see, I, I agree. I like to be realistic with my expectations also. I wasn't going in and that's like, oh, I'm going to go crush Leo Grandis. Like, I'm going to see mm -hmm. how close I can get to Leo Grandis. But, yeah, yeah. So tell us about your process for zeroing your firearms, because that's interesting, too. Um, well, I do zero my PCC different than most people. Um, well, at least who I've talked to, uh, I zero my PCC at 17 yards, uh, because 90% of what I shoot is between 10 and 25 yards. So I'm just right there in the middle. Mm -hmm. And if I had to shoot something at 50, I know my hold, it's only a couple of inches low, but for 90% of what I'm, the targets I'm shooting, I have a zero that's going to work for almost all of them. And that's oh something God. interesting you do in practice as well. When you're dry firing, you're practicing your hold for various mm -hmm. dis distances. Yep. So I'll, I'll simulate like a 50-yard plate, and I'll, I'll know how to hold a couple inches low on it, stuff like that. And, you know, up close targets, we all have, we all know we have to hold high for the height over bore axis. Same as an open frame, you know, an open gun. It's, it's no different. Just uh, got to mix in a, a low hold with, with the high holds. That's all. That's how, yeah, that's and being able to, to switch gears. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I changed to a twenty-five now, so I used to I used to run uh, even a lower one. I used to run a ten for the same kind of principle. I was like, well, everything's from five to fifteen, so I got to hold mm -hmm. a little low on something out there. But I didn't really do enough work with that in order to like kind of really like know what my holds were on a four-inch plate at like thirty-five and forty. Like you know, it's, mm -hmm. it was significantly low. Like it was more than you would think you'd have to hold low. And I'm like, all right. So then I just changed to a 25 and I've been running that ever since just holding high and everything. So gotcha. yeah. yeah. So you do things very differently in practice than most people. I would venture to guess that you're probably self-taught. Is that true? Or am I totally off base? You're, nope, you're spot on. Um, I did shoot some Olympic style uh, 10 meter 22 stuff in <laughs> high school, but that uh, was basically just how to prep a trigger because again, it's the high school shooting team. No one yeah. took it that seriously. Um, but yeah, then after that, I just taught myself trial and error, watching videos, seeing why someone else is faster and why than me at the time. And then going out at the range when I used to practice a lot more and trying out different things that they were doing. So how long have you been shooting? Uh, I think I just hit seven years now. Nice. Okay. Yep. So what is the most interesting place you've traveled to to shoot? Oh, um, the Philippines, I think, is one of my favorites for sure. Indonesia was a lot of fun as well. Did you go to Bali? Uh, no, I was uh, in uh, a business town of Surabaya. Okay. That was my first international match, but 
the reason why that sticks out in my head. It was my first international match, first time leaving the country, and they sent us on this uh, parade before the match. Yeah, where we all were in jeeps and we drove uh, like a like a ten mile circuit around the town, and people had lined the streets, and it was this whole experience that really uh, made me kind of fall in love with you know international shooting in the first place. Yeah, IPSC is very different. Usually before a major match, there's some sort of a parade. Everyone's got their jerseys on. There's a flag for each country and somebody on the team carries the flag and a sign saying what country they're from. And they shut down the streets and you parade through the streets. Sounds like you had a little different experience driving around the Jeeps. Yeah, so I've I've done done some parades and stuff. I've shot a whole lot of Ipsic, but I probably shot, I don't know, five or six matches now internationally. And uh, they all have a parade. They're great. But something about that first one where it was literally miles just driving around with Jeeps and flags and people lining the streets that, that set the tempo for my uh, love of that, that game. My favorite part of the opening ceremony in the Philippines where we did the parade was New Zealand. <laughs> you want to tell us about that? Um you go ahead. I, I can't remember. It's not, well, I remember a lot. <laughs> not a, I don't remember that well from that one. Okay. So the New Zealand team went out into this massive field and they had this whole routine orchestrated where they're like yelling and stomping and doing all these dance moves. Oh, the haka. Like, mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? It's called the haka. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I knew it was a thing. I've seen it on TV or whatever, but never seen it in person. It's like their warrior call sort of thing to... Yeah, like the rugby guys and the soccer guys, they all do that before the major match or anything. It was so cool to watch that. And then we had fireworks and um, there was like a drone show where they had all these drones that lit up and flew in different formations to make like a light show. Oh, you're talking about the Australasia match. Yes. Oh, I wasn't at that one. Oh, shoot. That's why you don't remember. I was thinking gotcha. you were at that one. No, you were at the previous year. The uh, the Olympics, yeah. Yeah. The yes. Olympics, yeah. Yeah, that was a fun match. It was. So what, did, what was your favorite thing about the Philippines? Oh, the atmosphere, I think, and the food. Oh, yeah, the food. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. The food yeah, seems we sketchy. Were... I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I, that's, that's interesting that you said the food. I feel like I would, you know, I don't know. I'd be nervous to eat anything over there. Well, there we is had only... JJ cooking steaks for us. JJ oh, okay. was cooking All steak right. and lobster. All right, that's that's <laughs> different. I thought you were just like going to visit the local restaurants. Like, oh man, that's that's probably not going to be good on match morning. But you know, no, we yeah. we did do that. Uh, we did do that, but I did abstain from trying the uh, the balut, which is the the fertilized duck egg. Yeah, if you want to, if you want to, I, I avoided that one. But I actually ate like five of them because I was really really? hungry oh wow (laughs) that was when I went I actually went to a different match after the fact Mm -hmm. so I was on the range hadn't eaten all day and all they had was blood so Mm -hmm. I ate like five of them because I was starving (laughs) and sometimes you get a little piece of duck beak or or something like that because it is a fertilized egg (laughs) that's gross that's disgusting. Yeah, no. Um, anyways, <laughs> I'll take a cheeseburger or french fries, please. Do they have that there? Yeah. They have Jollibee. Oh. They do. Yeah. They have spaghetti, fast food spaghetti. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, Jollibee has burgers and all that kind of stuff, but everything comes with rice. Yeah. So I got a question. I mean, so 
going back to shooting a little bit, trying kind of getting off topic, but not. Really. <laughs> um, uh, you know, so you took second place at PCC Nats this year. Um, what are your plans or your goals for next year? Um, are you going to be, do, are you know, not, has this second place in the at PCC Nats kind of like lit a fire into you? You're going to do more USPSA or um, you're still just going to kind of stick on the same schedule and then come back and dominate USPSA, shoot three gun all year? <laughs> uh, I'm going to try to shoot a bunch of everything. Um, I wouldn't say it, it, it lit the fire again. The fire's still been there the whole time. But uh, just finding the time to, to focus on a specific gun for a long period of time isn't really an option when I'm trying to shoot four different guns. <laughs> right. And now I'm going to have a fifth gun. I'm going to try to shoot some AK matches next year as well. So uh, it sounds like fun. I'm, I wanted to do that. I was talking to Tony Martin at Nationals, actually, and, and he's like, oh, you got to come down and shoot an AK match. And I'm like, I would love to do that. I just don't. I don't know. I, I kind of sold all my guns. I went the other way from you. So I, I now only really have my PCC and my, you know, my backup and that's mm-hmm. like all I shoot. So I, I can't only afford to focus on one gun. I couldn't afford all four. <laughs> I was, uh, I was fortunate enough to get, get to borrow someone's uh, raced out Galil to shoot at that AK match. And it was, oh, uh, that's, that's awesome. That was a whole different experience. That's a whole atmosphere. That's a whole different thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah those guys are in full-on costumes, uh, mm-hmm. panda suits with battle axes and chest rigs. Are oh, you like, talking about the Red October oh, match? Yes, yes, Red October. Okay, was, that that looked awesome. I'd love to do that. Yeah, that was that was a riot. It's more of a of a show and like a party mm-hmm. than than shooting. There is there is shooting mixed in. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So, so what's your thing... what's your kind of sorry sorry Kish. so Go what's ahead. your kind of like when you when you look at like the matches you shot in in the Philippines Australasia and all of that and you come to USPSA what are your kind of takeaways of the differences between the two? Uh, accuracy is much more heavily emphasized in IPSC uh, for sure, uh, mm-hmm. as well as position to position movement, as opposed. I find myself in Ipsic matches shooting between, you know, two to four rounds in a position and moving another 10 yards to shoot two to four rounds and then so on and so forth. Not, not to oversimplify it, but it seems there's more of a emphasis on getting into and out of position more than having mm-hmm. chances to shoot on the move. Typically the way we do uh, in USPSA matches. Yeah. There's more okay. posting up and you mm-hmm. kind of have to because of the target difficulty. Indeed. Yep. Definitely. So what did you think about having a caddy? Did you have a caddy? I did. I had two. That well, sounds I had awesome. A, I heard yeah. about this. This sounds like a, a fantastic thing. Well, yeah. I know this is all, it sounds like a terrible thing. It was amazing. No, well, I don't want... <laughs> so I had, I had a caddy to carry all my bags and load mags. And I had, uh, a, I had, a... <laughs> don't, don't come load my mags. Go away. Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. I, I, I was uh, hesitant at first, but you know, when I'm, having to reload them every five seconds or every five minutes because you have to you have a little a little fast pass to go through stages it got pretty old then i had <laughs> i had an assistant and the assistant had a runner to go and get the things the assistant decided that i needed so if i needed water i'd tell the assistant and she would send somebody to go get the water and come back with the water and give it to me that's yes, next and level that's before, i've never had that yeah. never had that so before you came, I think it was the year before that, when mm-hmm. it was just um, JJ and Jamie and I and our group, we had, we asked for water and they brought us these orange sodas. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, thanks. Cause you know, we're all thirsty. So we start chugging them and just start like shaking. <laughs> it was basically like meth 
in a bottle and we had awesome. no idea what it was. So don't drink something that's not water sealed that you don't know what it is because but yeah, there, you, there was something in there. But did you put down 11 splits after that? Right. No, what I did <laughs> like was, taking Adderall, man. You know, those things had, are great. So right after that, we had an unloaded start and my gun was unloaded with the magazine seated. I picked it up and racked it, but my hands were just moving so fast. I racked it two times and sent around flying out and nobody even saw my hands move. And I was like, I need that. You're on that next level. Because <laughs> it was like an 11 round stage and I had 11 rounds. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. That okay. sounds like what I needed. Everything was slow motion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was tripping, on, tripping on Cobra, whatever that was. Some Cobra, some Cobra whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I had five assistants, a driver, and like, three bodyguards it was just insane Mm -hmm. and i went with my video camera on my phone and went so you are here with me what is your job i am to assist miss kita what is your (laughs) job i am here to assist miss kita (laughs) that's next level see and they say that we're so pampered in america you know i don't know I feel like we, we're, we lucky, we're lucky if we get lunch anything. at a match you know normally you know it's like hey mm-hmm. spear match be go have fun and don't cause any problems and then that's it you got you got assistance over here you got parades with jeeps through the streets i mean jeez mm-hmm. yeah so we got these i don't, want, I don't want someone loading my mags don't 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 come near my mags <laughs> yeah i can see that like what like how would you feel how, like if somebody loaded your mags and like loaded one backwards like you know like what would you or you in production that load 17 and that's that's, that's gonna seriously affect their tip i think but i mean you know like like scott like would like yeah. how would you feel if that like the guy that loaded your mags ruined your match like, like so uh, i would first... feel awful but uh, the the same caddy that was loading my max is the same caddy that johnny from limcat has been using for a decade so it's the same exact person every time he goes back he has the same guy do the same job so i was pretty confident in it's that. like it's yeah. like professional golf caddies like they use my <laughs> mm-hmm. well they look forward to it they can't wait till he's back for a match because that's mm-hmm. you know they're gonna make their yearly salary that week just on tips right yeah. they support their whole family just from helping that one match mm-hmm so the first year I was there, somebody was loading my mags for me and loaded six rounds into one of my mags mm. instead of 10. Mm. So I That's ended annoying. up with a standing reload. I still remember the guy's name. His name was Carlos. The <laughs> next day, he was nowhere to be found. And I was like, where's Carlos? And they're like, he's gone now. Mm. Oh, <laughs> gone from the so, match or gone. I don't know. He, depending he on where you shoot you know maybe gone forever yeah <laughs> and another year i was shooting pcc and the caddy cleans the gun the night before but they're used to cleaning ars mm-hmm. so he didn't realize like he has to put a spring on the firing pin all that stuff and left it out so on I the just, PCC, gotcha. On yeah. the PCC. So I go to mm-hmm. shoot my very first stage with the PCC. It goes click, click, click. JJ oh, just no. starts laughing. He's like, Kita, there's no firing pin. Switch to your <laughs> shotgun. That's awful. That's oh, awful. No. Like what a waste of what a waste of time. Mm-hmm. You know? I don't know. That's how I feel about that. I would be so pissed. You know, and that's why I would do it <laughs> myself. And I like I it'd be nice to have a caddy to say, hey, go get me some water, go do like any of the things that don't that that might not potentially ruin my entire match. Like I, I would definitely yeah. not let him carry my bag, bag, please. And I would definitely not let him do anything that had to do with something like that be, or clean my gun, especially because like, if that's going to mess up, I want that to be on me. I don't want that to be on them. Mm-hmm. 
and I, you know, because I would. And I now I check everything. That. Right. I well, still use the caddies, but I check everything myself. Yeah, I don't know. I still like to me just clean your own gun and load your own mags, and then you got no <laughs> excuse when something goes wrong. You know. Yeah. Well, usually you can't thing. have your gun. Yeah, I don't like. I, you, I don't know. If I paid for the match, I'd be mad. If I paid for to get there, if my sponsor paid for everything to get there, and then one of the guys blew it, I'd feel really, really bad for my sponsor. So, like, I don't think, you know, regardless of who's paying anything, whether you get there for free or not, I still think that would be a huge disappointment just because of the time spent in order to get to that place. You know, it's not like yeah, for sure. The corner. So I don't know. Caddies, they seem nice, but I'll just take guys that are gonna pace. I'll take that. You know, we're gonna pace, and I don't have to reset. <laughs> I'm happy with that. I'll load my own mags and clean my own gun. But if there's people on the range that are there and they can reset for me, that'd be dynamite. Yeah. Yeah. Paste and pick up brass, although you guys don't pick up brass. But anyway. Yeah, no, we do not. No, but we can't find primers and you can. So, you know, you that. <laughs> hey, how are you doing? How are you doing on them primers, Scott? You got, uh, uh, I actually quit loading like uh, this last year or two. Shooting uh, federal just, now? No, no. I'm just shooting whatever factory ammo I can get my hands on. Got it. Yep. Why is that uh, strictly for saving time, or is that just factory ammo has come a long way in your eyes and like that it works fine? Or oh no, I'm still shooting like just factory whatever. It doesn't really matter. Uh, I'll, I prefer a certain load, sure, but the the time spent loading is is not. It's better spent elsewhere for me. Well, if you're loading rifle and handgun and shotgun <clears throat> and all of that, so I can understand. Like we're just loading handguns, so it's one caliber, whatever. Right, yeah. you're learning all of those. That's that. That's a lot of time and a lot of effort. That's, started, that's partially why I quit three gun, man. It was all the. It was too much ammo, and you know, I like to just you know a day at the range, especially now. It's like a five hundred dollar day. You know, by the time you're done shooting two, two, three, and your shotgun and all that, mm-hmm. like I just can't. I can't physically afford to do that. And then uh, you know, then you got to come home and you got to clean three guns too. And it's like, well, yeah, that's, that's, that's rough. That's a rough. So thing. I just you know I, I like to, and then remembering all those targets. So that's kind of what turned me off of three gun is like you know all of it just it was easier to do USPSA because I could focus on one gun and then one ammo and. You know, less stuff to worry about for me. That's okay, but on the on all the stuff. targets, I do want to ask you. Okay, you, you might know a guy who's called Jerry Mitchell. Like, and he has a YouTube channel, so <laughs> I, I've watched I've watched a few of his videos, and some of those stages really get very intricate. So, how do you look at that stage? How do you prepare for something like that? Um, yeah, you can basically break it down to a certain state if you want to. Well, it depends. If it's like a jungle run, it's it's much easier since you have like a section for each gun along a, a path, you can just break it up into like three mini stages that create one giant stage. But if it's a giant uh, stage with everything intertwined and you have back and forth between the stage multiple times, then that requires some planning. Uh, normally you go the day before or, or, and you walk stages. And when I mean walk stages, I don't mean like USPSA or IPSC style where you look at it. Well, you can't IPSC, but yeah, you walk it. Yeah. <laughs> you walk it for like five, five, five to 10 minutes in USPSA. Well, for three gun, we walk a stage for 45 minutes if it requires work. And we'll walk each stage for 45 minutes. So we go a full day early and spend the entire day walking stages, taking notes. You still have to take video, right? We're allowed to take video for that stuff, yes. Okay. So you can t- record your plan, go home, and memorize it overnight. Wow. That's what I do for you. Yeah, that wouldn't work right? in IPSEC. Like, get five minutes to walk a whole 200-round jungle run. That yeah. wouldn't work. 
No, that, that's my problem is like, you know, like you said, you break it down into kind of like each gun. So like each gun is its own stage. And then, but my problem is I would dump my first gun and then I forgot my next two. <laughs> like I, I was really good at the first gun, but after that, it was like, mine went blank. So like, yeah, no, I yeah. couldn't handle that. But yeah. I feel like three gun has a totally different environment of shooters from USPSA where they're just, it's just fun. Yeah. There's not the, so much pressure it's uh, it's still competitive don't get me wrong but right. it's it's much more of a we're all here to help you beat the stage if you want to have a, a way to say it so a lot of matches uh coaching is allowed uh so if you have trouble hitting long range someone will tell you well you're missing give you some corrections and if like say you run out of ammo you'll have guys running up behind you handing you their mags full of ammo to finish the stage which you would never ever see that in uspsa or if so no, never yeah, so it's this whole community behind it that kind of makes it what it is. It's something special. It really is. Yeah, it's kind of like how you were describing the AK match as being almost like a party. Mm -hmm. For me, coming from USPSA to three gun, that's kind of how it felt for me a little bit. But yeah, yes, sure. they do still take it seriously. I can see it's that. Still a sure. Yeah. It's much easier to kind of jump into it from the outside and find a place where you fit where in uspsa i think sometimes we kind of eat our young yeah which is why that's <laughs> why i see a lot of three gunners who who don't go into uh like uspsa a lot of them leave or once they go to a uspsa match they have complaints about oh they're so uptight this and that it's because they came from the atmosphere where people are handing you things to finish a stage as opposed to you know having a, an actual set rule book that people yeah. can quote from yeah, yeah, so. totally and they and we do quote from it don't yes. you worry yes yeah. <laughs> yeah well i think you know a lot of the I, I mean i'll help anybody out on a range at all you know like if, my, if their mag doesn't work i'll give them my backup mag or anything like that but i mean i feel like a lot of people are just nervous that they're going to get a penalty or something like that in usbsa so you it's, not quite, it's not quite you, idpa you but like yeah like i mean you might say one wrong thing and then you got you got a feet so i don't know yeah it's, uh, there's, it's a, there's a lot of tight but it is yeah. what it is there's a lot of silly rules well there are rules everyone every rule has a reason and i get that but there are some that there should be like you can't touch your dot you can't turn your dot on and off outside of the safety area or the make ready command and stuff like that like if i can grab my gun out of the berm i should be able to push the one button to turn it on real quick I agree with that. Yeah, I, I mean, it just I understand it's considered manipulating the gun. Yeah, yeah. I, I you get into the we can go into the woods with that. But. I think the best the best way I ever heard the rule book described is they they always add them, but nothing ever gets taken out. So like it just it never is simplified or consolidated, and you know it's getting to be a super long book with uh you know it's it's pretty hard to find specific rules and uh you know yeah. one can sound like another one and they can have completely different ways to apply the penalty so it's like well now how how do you just interpret it so it's a little confusing it'd be nice if that was more streamlined but uh yeah. so yeah. what are some differences in the rules between uspsa slash um ipsc versus three gun oh um they all have the general same basic rules uh but that's where the three gun ends so you know don't point at anybody don't break the 180 uh ad's they're, they're all generally the same across the board but where it starts differing is uh so say in three gun often you're not like in a bay you're just in a field 
And so there's no like safety table. So if you just want to point your gun away from everybody, like your pistol and whatnot, just, okay, take it out of your bag, put it in your holster, play with it, just face a general safe way. Cause there's no, you know, there's no safety area. There's no berm to point into. And a lot of USPSA shooters will lose their mind when someone's just playing with their gun over there. And, you know, next to you, <laughs> a lot of that all happened. Yeah, they just go to their truck and have it all yep. sitting like on the back end of the truck with the tailgate open. Yep. Or go oh in their God. car, grab their guns, stick it in their holster. That's normal in three gun. Oh, yeah. Like even my local range here, we consider our trunk is like a safety area for three gun. Right. Uh, so you can preload your shotguns in the trunk of your car. You can put your pistol on and off in the trunk of your car. Uh, well, if it's in a whole, it's a whole different thing. Anyway, yeah. So that, that kind of thing is popular for three gun. Uh, what other main rules are there that are different? Number of shots on targets. Yeah, and yeah, the way so, it's scored is different for sure. You know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, so time plus, uh, there's no hit factor. Well, there are <clears> some <throat> matches that can do it. Um, but yeah, way the one alpha or two anywhere on paper is all you need to score. And that generally you use, you use USPSA targets. I thought you use like the squares with the circle in them. So it's either like one in the middle or one or two on the, on the, on the paper. So it depends on the match. Uh, if you're shooting a UML, a United Multigun League match under the United States shoot, or United Shooting Sports League, there's so many acronyms. Anyway, one specific league has its own target <laughs> that they came out with that you probably saw. It's the, it's the hexagon with a smaller hex inside of it and a smaller hex inside of that. Uh, that is a much smaller alpha zone, but it's still going to be in one alpha or two anywhere on that. Uh, a lot of matches will just use, you know, uh, USPSA cardboard or even IPSC cardboard. Is there anybody that just shoots one or is everybody just hosing two on each one? Because, I mean, to me, it seems like you're really got to be shot calling and slowing down in order to get that one in the middle. It depends on uh, round count and capacity for whatever gun and array you might be shooting. I have seen arrays where they're, they'll put, you know, 12 targets, uh, or 12 or 13 or 14 pistol targets like in a, in a row. And in that scenario, if you're not shooting an open gun, you, you know, you have a 140 mag, you're going to want to have a couple of alphas in there mixed in. Something interesting I saw on jungle runs with open targets, like if you've got a whole bunch of open targets all in a row along the path, most guys will just shoot it one handed as they're running by. Uh, <laughs> some guys do. Yeah. Some people do. Um, <laughs> Is you better be Not confident you, huh? with that. Yeah. Well, I, I've had the opportunity and I still wouldn't do that. Uh, there's too many things that could go wrong with that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't do yeah. it either. And I was the weird one for keeping two hands on the gun. Yeah. I mean, you're not really going to gain anything by doing that. You get style points, though. You get a lot right. of style points for that. That's good. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. <laughs> but, you know, uh, that stuff happens mm. a lot. But yeah. like guys having when, fun sometimes. Yeah. When you hit the steel, they say hit. Where in USPSA, IPSU, they don't do that. We have a lot down of, usually. Yeah, we have a lot of uh, static targets, uh, usually at distance, uh, to avoid having to reset. You know, put a more challenging target out, and then we'll just call hits on it instead of having to go out there and reset it. That's pretty popular. Uh, typically, well, I like one of my favorite quotes for the shotgun is every target in three gun for a shotgun either uh, breaks, falls over, or makes noise. And so that's that's a pretty fun thing to do instead of just shooting that paper. But yeah, or there's like a little flash. Mm -hmm. Yep. So we have uh, 
uh, I don't know if it's actually battery powered or if it's just like a those magneto thing. thing. Yeah, the, the magneto yeah. flashes. Yeah. yeah, those are cool. Yeah, so you can see very clearly uh, long range targets when they're hit. You get a nice flash of color uh, as opposed to having the old style tilting uh, flasher backers and relying on an RO to call a hit, which is sometimes frustrating. <laughs> and you also have your guns preloaded, set up on a table, ready to go. Yep, either uh, slung on your person, in a barrel, on a table, uh, on a prop. They could make you do whatever they want to do, but generally, yeah, it's on a table or in a bucket somewhere. So, okay, so you're not on the long range targets, though. You're everyone's <laughs> shooting at them. So they obviously started out white at the start of the day, and then obviously when you get there, they're pretty much black. A lot of major, don't they? Paint them in between squads. Like, doesn't somebody like take a claw down there and do that? Uh, it depends. Uh, so if it's up a mountain. Uh, you're probably not going to get new paint except between days. Uh, If it's just in the back of a field and you have an ATV, sure, they'll probably do it between squads. But uh, I shoot a lot of my three gun, or I have in the past in Vegas when they put targets up a mountainside and there's no real way to get up there. So you'll get painted targets once uh, in in the mornings. That's all you'll get. So be the first shooter. Got it. And (laughs) try to schedule yourself so uh, the sun sets behind them and are coming up behind you instead of behind the targets at the end of the day yeah it's smart so. see that that's a piece of advice that people could take away from this for sure yeah now, again, that, that goes back to picking your squad range? yeah <laughs> and that takes that takes you know range knowledge and right and, and all that kind of stuff but it uh having a, a nice lit long range target is super nice as opposed to having the sun setting behind them when you're having a hard time yeah so what do you think it was that brought you to the point where you can really be competitive on a world level or even a national level? What drove you? Uh, probably just being stubborn and not liking to lose, I guess. <laughs> You've always uh, been very motivated. Yeah. Um, I'm, I've got an addictive personality. So when I pick something up, I, I want to do it and I want to do it well. And if I don't do it well, I'm not the kind of guy to quit and find something else. I'm going to try to power through get better at it and then you know building relationships and rivalries throughout that process is always fun uh and it puts some extra motivation instead of just trying to get better myself i want to pick somebody who's also getting better and then kind of like josh and myself how we chase each other around the world in the country shooting (laughs) various matches so you would say josh is your guy to beat i would say he's my main rival uh just i don't know if i'd say rival we're like we're friends uh but we do chase each other around and uh, yeah, that's what it's about though you know you guys gotta push yeah. each other that's the only way mm-hmm. to get better so you know if, if josh doesn't have anybody to push him then he gets stale if you don't have any push you you get stale you know and then it just turns into monotony and then yeah well he just plateaued. took a lot of time off well he's back into it now but he took some time off to do some building and do some hunting and things like that uh, he had to I- kind of get back into it I think I took, I think he took up my, uh, my winter uh, routine where I've been taking off between November and December and January the last couple of years. And I finally talked him into it a year or two ago. And now he's got his new property and he's doing the whole farming thing. So he's got a whole lot going on. Yeah. So why do you do that? Is that just to take like a mental break and kind of like reset for the next season? Yeah, for sure. So when I first got into it, like I said, I'm a, I'm a, I have an addictive personality. I went kind of hard. And so from my very first match ever, 
I didn't take a, a single weekend off for four years. I shot every oh. weekend a match for four years. And that, that started to uh, get exhausting. So I took the winter off, came back fresh, and I, I loved how I felt coming back in. I was re-motivated, and I felt rested. So I've been doing that the last three or four years now. It's actually a scientifically proven technique called spacing. Nah. So basically, when you take that time off, it's letting you recover, recuperate, but everything you had been working on is then put into your long-term memory instead of your short-term memory, which means it becomes subconscious. And that's why when you pick up the gun again for the first time after a break, you think, oh, this is going to be really bad. And then you actually shoot and you're like, huh, I really didn't lose all that much. And after a few rounds, you're right back in it, right where you left off. That's funny, because that's about the same time <clears throat> that I started uh, getting, uh, you know, highly, highly competitive and, you know, winning, winning majors and stuff like that was around the same time I took that winter off before. Yeah, then you get reinvigorated. Wow. Interesting. So, so, so Scott, when you, I'm assuming you've had matches like this where you come back and you're like completely deflated, you didn't do well, or you lost, or something, right? Mm -hmm. How do you, how do you power through that? How, what's your <laughs> mental process powering through something like that? Shoot um, <laughs> yeah, basically, it's, uh, I don't want to say I don't think about it, but I, I try to forget completely about the entire experience and just start fresh and go again from there. Cause I know that was not a, if I had a bad match, I know it's not a representation of how I shoot on a normal level. And I have had those matches and I just don't think about them. <laughs> and then I'll just pretend it never happened. I'll go out there pretending, uh, you know, I'm here to win this next one and I'm just going to do that. Yeah. Sure, in the Inside. off season, I'll think about it about what went wrong and why. But in the current moment during the season, I'm not going to think about it at all. That's exactly the way I think about it too. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. There's always another match, so I mean, what's you're not all yeah, next weekend, perfect, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, each so. one's a brand new day. Right. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so right. something else with the spacing. I did write an article for On Target Africa, the magazine in South Africa, called. Uh, don't quit, take a break. That talks about exactly what you were saying. When you're starting to get burned out, maybe your training schedule is too intense and you need to back off a little bit. But if you incorporate these breaks, a lot of guys will take off for two weeks after nationals or something like that. And that's exactly why. So you don't burn out. You want to prevent that burnout. But throughout the season, something you can do is have spacing by um, I'm not going to practice this one thing right now, but during that space, you can insert something else, maybe something you are excited about. So just because you're taking a break, having some space doesn't mean you're not doing anything at all. So that's called interleaving, when hmm. you insert something else into that space. And spacing yeah. and interleaving actually is proven to decrease the amount of time it takes you to learn a new skill by 50%. Hmm. So you're telling me to take time off to get better? Well, it seems like the opposite. Of take time off of a skill to get better. Right. Hmm. I guess. And then insert something else into that spot. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I naturally shoot a little less during the winter around here because I like I know you probably live up by Wisconsin also, uh, Scott. So it gets real cold and it's kind of crappy to go out and shoot. But 
Um, you know, I would love to be somewhere that was warm that I could shoot like all year, like Arizona, like South like Africa. <laughs> yeah, no, not with all those gun laws that we've been talking about over the podcast for the right. last few weeks. I don't think so, boy. That's worse than New Jersey, you know. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Where are you at, yeah. Scott? Uh, I'm actually just outside of Reno, Nevada. Uh, but yes, it uh, people think Reno is close to Vegas when it's not. It's like seven, eight hours difference. So you're you uh, shooting like Marco and and Max and all those guys on? No. Well, yeah. I see them often, yes, Got but uh, not that much because it's still a pretty pretty hefty drive to get down there. Uh, but it does get cold here. We have a very wide range. It goes from 110 in the summer to negative. It can go negative in the winter. Yep. And we do get a lot of snow because we're just 45 minutes from Tahoe. So yeah, That's we're up like here. Of, yeah, we're up here at 5,000 feet, so we get we get dumped on pretty good sometimes. And uh, it does get too cold a lot to shoot and. When I'm when I'm shooting in the cold, I don't feel like I'm getting any better, which is part of why I'm taking a break started helping. Yeah, I don't know. Like, see, my problem is like this year I got signed up already for in January I got a match in Florida, and then in uh, February I have a match in Puerto Rico that we're doing now um, with the Da Vinci guys. And um, like you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to afford. Like, I, I feel like I have to kind of get out there at least once or twice a month. To there's a couple of locals that still run all year long. A few, most of them shut down for the winter time, but as long as there's not like a foot of snow on the ground, they're they're out there whether it's zero degrees or hundred degrees. So. Yeah, um, I feel like, you know, with January and February coming up and they're for the Da Vinci guys and I feel like I got to do something, you know, so I don't know, like, I, I, I just hate, like, how do you feel about, how do you feel about dry fire practice versus like just going to shoot matches? Like to me, like I, I like going to just shoot matches because I feel like you get more out of it. It's like going when you go play golf and you're going to the driving range and you, and you hit a thousand balls or do you want to go play two rounds of golf? Like, I'd rather go play two rounds of golf because I just feel like, you know, being there and being on the timer and all that kind of stuff, I feel like it's better practice, but. 100%. I have the same mindset. Yeah. So just shoot matches, right? So, I mean, yeah. So, mm-hmm. the problem is it's just hard in the wintertime, but uh, I mean, yeah. maybe I'll have to get something going with like a little dry fire or something. But see if you can find an know. indoor range, something like that. Yeah. The pro- you know, problem being in Jersey, like for me to go to PA, it's it's like an hour ride for something that's $100 a year. And then in Jersey, like the in a nice indoor range where I can go for 24 hours, that's not crappy is it's like 600 bucks for the year it's like oh, yeah. it's wow. very 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 pricey around here to shoot so it's kind of it's difficult like you know, mm-hmm. one day my, my plan is to get out of here and do something that's you know like like i said i like to go down south like where i can you know potentially shoot for 12 months a year yeah um and then just never really shuts off i feel like that would be better for me because I, I always feel like coming out of winter time like i don't shoot nearly as much i feel like i'm definitely a little rusty when i come out uh, nothing feels as sharp um and i feel like i kind of like you know i go four steps forward during the season and i take two back during the winter so I feel like it kind of messes my progression up a little bit. It's yeah, still progress. Yeah, I guess. Well, especially like this past year with COVID, you know, I didn't shoot for six months. Like I shot 100 rounds in the six month period and, and 30, no, I'm sorry, 60 of those rounds were the Tuesday before area six. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I mean, I came out at area six and I just felt, you know, I felt like it was almost like my first time. I, obviously I know what I'm doing with the gun and all that kind of stuff, but like, I'm just not used to any of that recoil or anything like that. So yeah, I definitely, I don't, I, maybe that, that freaked me out a little bit, not being able to get ammo for a while. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, I feel like now I just got some primers. I feel like I'm going to shoot as much as I can this off season. Cause I don't, I don't know if taking off would be good for me just based on the last, last couple of years now or last yeah, year. It's all, it's all personal, you know, it's, it's yeah. going to be an individual thing. Yeah. I, it's annoying though, that you can just take off for three months, four months and then come out and still rock it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I guess it's just the difference, but. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm looking forward. I can't wait for next year. You know, I mean, I, I definitely disappointed myself in nationals, and I'm, uh, I don't, I'm, you know, I'm 
got to get, you know, you shot with Harrington, right? You were on the same squad. So that's my guy around my area that I got to beat, right? Oh, that's right. Uh, gotcha. yeah, yeah. So he's, he's a great lefty shooter. Uh, and I hate that he's a lefty because he, you know, all those left hard leans are not hard for him. But uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah hoping, hoping to be a little more competitive against Harrington. He's, uh, he's up from, I think, New Hampshire or Massachusetts. And then hopefully shoot with you guys on the super squad on, at nationals. That's my goal for next year. Yeah, he's a guy I hadn't met before. And, uh, he does not on social yeah. media. I yell, I'm, all, I'm like, dude, nobody knows yeah. who you are. I'm like, like yeah. you're, you're like one of the best shooters in the country, and not, nobody knows you. And he's like, he has a YouTube, but like his YouTube is like BDH or something like that. It doesn't even say his name. And he just, he just made a uh, – what did he do? He made an Instagram not too long ago. He's like, I hate this already. And I'm like, just – <laughs> I'm like, you got to get your name out there a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a great shooter. He's a, he's, a, he's a really nice dude too. So, yeah, uh, that's my guy. And, you know, I know when we shoot area eight, area five, area seven, he's the guy that I'm looking to beat. Um, so, yeah. Uh, that's good. Hey. Yeah. Scott, you want to tell us about all your sponsors? Yeah uh sure yeah so uh lemcat custom obviously all the guns i shoot and uh all the matches i go to um have are made by lemcat uh everyone on the shotgun the rifles the pistols the pccs all done by them um vortex optics uh on all top of all my guns every gun that has an optic has at least one vortex optic on it uh cmc triggers in my guns uh lag tactical uh whole uh, for all my kydex needs uh lucas oil uh, shootsteel.com for all steel targets. Um, Warren scope mounts for all those optics as well. Yeah, and that, that should do it. What are you doing for work right now? Uh, so I work full-time for LAG Tactical, the Kydex manufacturer. Uh, I manage their pro staff and uh, I coordinate all the sponsorships they do. And then that's mostly what I do. Yeah, now it's just work for them and then uh, shoot on the side. All right. And did you recently um, get married? I did. Uh, actually, it'll be one year in eight Got days. It. Yeah. God, God Congratulations. You. Thank God you. Forget it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Your wife was, like, was my little buddy in the Philippines. Oh, <laughs> for sure. Adorable. Yeah. Yeah. She loves, she's out there doing homework right now. Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. I'm nervous. I'm nervous about getting married. I guess I don't know. I'm nervous about getting married. I feel like it's just gonna ruin my uh, my shooting schedule. But. You know the difference between <laughs> priorities. <laughs> priorities. Uh, married well, to shooting. That's what she says. Yeah, she says my priorities are messed up, and I say ah, maybe. <laughs> Life is literally no different after getting married. It's the exact thing that it was before. I don't know. Because you got a good one. Yeah, yeah I guess. <laughs> Guys, guys get married, then they have the kids, and then they bring the kids to the range, and the kids pick up all the bras, patch all the targets, load all the mags. It doesn't seem like a bad idea. Mm, you get little free laborers, huh? Little free caddies, yeah. <laughs> Child labor, nothing wrong with that. You know, builds character. That's right. <laughs> so is there anything that we didn't talk about that you wanted to bring up on the show? Um, so if you're interested in shooting three-gun or any multi-gun event, uh, you don't have to worry about having all the gear. If you just go to a match, I guarantee someone there is going to loan you all the gear you need to come play, which is another great thing about the community. So yeah, just find a match, find a guy who goes, see if he's got an extra gun. And if not, I'm, I'm sure he'll give you the belt off himself to put on you to go play as well. Yeah, if, if not, call Scott. Scott will give you his guns. I will give you my <laughs> guns. And it will probably be a very expensive phone call once you like the guns. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so mm -hmm. that's, I, I like Corey K. Corey K always said that, you know, when he's like letting you try out JPs, he's like, the first hit's always free. So, that's yeah. right. That's right. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, and yeah. If, if they don't have the extra 
ammo with them right now just because of the ammo shortage. If you just show up, um, maybe they'll have a few rounds you can play around with just to try different guns. And then you can make plans where they tell you what ammo to buy and then you can borrow their guns for the next time. Yeah, 100%. And you don't have to think of it as, oh, okay, I have to buy you know, $10,000 worth of gear and optics and, and guns and belts and bags and all this other crap. You know, you don't need to start out with that. No, I just, most, you probably already got a rifle of some kind. You've got a pistol. Most people do go shoot a two gun match, you know, go shoot one of those and see if that, if that tickles your fancy. And if it does, maybe go shoot a, a shotgun with some friends. And if you like that idea, maybe try to find a three gun with some shotgun mixed in and go play with that. Just work your way up. You don't have to jump in all at once. Yeah. Well, you yeah. should have to buy ten. Don't have to buy ten thousand dollars worth of guns. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Like, I'll like, ten thousand dollars worth of ammo. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I know these... people. I know people that they, the first thing they ever shot was three gun, and that's just like kind of how they started. And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, I mean, I don't know how what you can get, you know, better from there. There's not, there's not a competition. You're going to shoot more guns. So that's why, like, I started in IDPA. I thought that was cool, and then graduated to USPSA, and then went to three gun. And you know, I thought that was a good progression, but. uh yeah. Yeah, I think the people that I give a lot of credit to the people that just jump into three gun right away and they're like, all right, what do I need? And it's like, wow, your list is pretty long here. Yeah. <laughs> well, and Johnny yeah. made you some really nice guns. He's sort of like a, an artist, a savant. I don't know. He, he kind of goes into his own headspace and stays up all night working on these guns. It's, yeah, he's, uh, he's a different character for sure. Yeah, it's I mean, look, the, the guy from the process. Da Vinci, the, the Da Vinci guy is the exact same way. I think, I think these guys, they're just really passionate about what they're doing. And they're, and they're especially, I don't know the other guy, but especially the Avenger guy, he's super OCD. And, you know, he, he'll, you know, I've heard stories. He'll literally just sit there and spend hours on one thing. That's like nothing more. I mean, not necessarily, but he just wants it to be so perfect. And it's like, okay, you know, at some point you kind of got to make something, but yeah, I, I, I respect guys that do it that way. So the Wimcat guys like that. I mean, you know, I know the Vinci guys like that. Like, you know, it's just, if you're going to take it that seriously, I, I, I will gladly shoot your, your gun. You know what I'm saying? Because I feel like if you're going to take it that seriously, it's not just something you're throwing together to throw out and uh, oh, for try sure. to sell as many as you can. You actually care about it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it definitely makes a difference. Johnny's like an artistic genius. Yeah. yeah. He's, uh, he's definitely different. He's got, he's got different. Not everyone loves his taste, but it's definitely unique for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of like the dissident guys i mean i never seen i mean i love the dissident <laughs> shotguns but i've never seen the dissident pccs until i went to shoot an aruba with marco definitely oh, yeah. completely different gun like it, it feels mm-hmm. different everything about it is different but man that, i mean marco was throwing some doubles that were like that far apart and he was throwing some nice splits and i'm like you know like interesting you know just say yeah. there's so much stuff out there that it, you know unless you're like in the industry i guess it's hard to say that you've seen every single thing like i'm sure there's still some pcc companies i've never even heard of that are out there oh for yeah. sure Marco actually outruns the timer. He splits faster than a tenth of a second. That's, is that what it picks up? I thought it would pick up anything. I picked up a 0.04 on like a, you know, when you soft shoulder one and you get the you know, little burst fire, you know? So I, mean, I suppose it depends on what kind of timer you're using. And what sensitivity you have it set to. Yeah. 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 I can't wait yeah. to get that shooter globals timer. You know, I think that's going to be a pretty cool addition yeah. to do what we're doing. But yeah. yeah. It was Robert Caesar was, on our last show, he was talking about the timer in his shop where you set it up for dry fire and you just turn it on and it goes and it gives was that you the guy, time to... What, what, was he, did he make that timer or did he, he sells that timer? He had it designed. That's his design? Oh, great. See? So like, I, I, guess I, I, I believe that that's what he was saying is that he designed <laughs> yeah, it. I mean, I'm, I'm pumped to get this timer and if that's the one he made, I like that. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. 
Well, thank you so much, Scott, for coming on. Happy to be it. here. Yeah. These yeah, hours just on, fly man. by. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. You're going to be at PCC in Colorado next year? You're going to definitely do that? Um, I'll probably be there for sure. Uh, I'll, I'm not for sure, but I'm 90% I'll be there. Uh, any, any East Coast USPSA matches you're planning on? Um, I don't know. I'm I'm tempted to go back to Alabama again for uh, – what do they have down there now? It's going to be single stack is down there. and I think low cap. I think low cap, right? Yeah, it is. So it's like revolver, single stack, limited 10 maybe. And there's something else down there, isn't there? Oh, no, I'll be going to North Carolina. I'm sorry. For, or South Carolina. One of the Carolinas for multi-gun nationals uh, next year. Oh, for it. sure. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, then cool. I'll see you at nationals then for sure. So awesome. Uh, yeah. But looking forward to that, man. And uh, yeah. if I don't see you before then, or I'll talk to you, you know, hopefully you stay healthy and good luck in the next season. And same to you as well, man. Looking yeah, forward thanks. to it. Appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you guys for coming on. Awesome, Scott. Nice meeting you. Have, you too, Grant. Well. Thanks, Keita. Thanks, Grant. It's good talking to y'all. Later. Uh, see you next week.